Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Story time. One time me and my family were out camping in National Park in southern Utah. It was getting late and we wanted a fire but since we were dumb and poor we had to go looking for wood in the wilderness. Anyways, we're all sitting around camp when my mom comes back, looking frightened. We ask what's wrong and she says that while she was looking for wood, she f- Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Found a pile of rocks. In these rocks was a baby blanket with something dead wrapped inside of it. Now, we all thought the same thing. Oh shit, someone's baby died and they buried it in a pile of rocks in the forest. We were freaked out, but curious. So we went to investigate. Once we arrived at the pile of rocks my dad went over and looked inside. Fortunately it wasn't a baby. Unfortunately, it was someone's dog. Nowhere near as bad but still pretty freaky, especially the fact that it was wrapped in a baby blanket. My family still goes camping in that area occasionally, and every time we go we at least mention it once. I just hope I won't be haunted by some creepy dog. My pals and I went camping overnight in Yosemite National Park, really far away from any small town. We had a pretty raucous day to night drinking so crashed pretty early, then we woke up at like 4am to gunshots. There was no way anyone was around us because it was so isolated, and it wasn't in season for people to go out camping or hunting etc either, and it was early as hell. We heard one and we all basically jolted upright, and then we heard another two in quick succession after it. I've never seen a group of 17-18 year olds move so fast in my life, we semi-drunkenly sprinted back to our cars, barely able to see with how dark it was, and stayed there till the sun started rising and we were okay to drive. It was so quiet. Like. Oh man, we didn't even hear the trees rustling outside the car, only each other's breathing and our occasional whispering. We didn't go out that way ever again. I visited Yellowstone about three years ago with two friends. On our way out of the park, headed to Teton, we pulled off on the side of the road to explore another area. There was a flat, open grassy area that stretched about 300 feet from the road to a wall of trees. As in, it instantly turned from grass to thick forest. We entered the forest area and walked about another couple hundred feet until we came to a sort of small clearing surrounded on all sides by trees. Littering the ground were hundreds of bones. Must have been deer and elk and that sort of thing, everywhere. Full skeletons. Partial skeletons. The remnants of lots of dead things. We weren't carrying anything to protect ourselves, other than my three-inch pocket knife, so we turned and, not wanting to run, quickly walked out of there. We weren't sure if we should be making noise to scare things off, but we did anyway, as we knew sounding large and intimidating is recommended when walking anywhere there might be animals. But at the same time, we really didn't want to draw attention to ourselves and end up like everything else that was lying in there. Made it out, obviously, but that was one of the creepiest and most intense moments I've ever experienced. Back in our mid-teens me and my mates used to camp out in the enclosure, massive foresty area, pretty much every weekend we could. 
There is one time that sticks out in my memory as now slightly creepy but back then majorly hilarious. We were all sat out around the fire as usual pissing about eating whatever when a 40-something dude comes wandering through the camp, we exchange hellos etc and he says he's looking for owls to watch, creepy begins, while explaining about his owls he stood right next to my friend who's just grinning at this dude like WTF are you doing man, the words I heard the man say were. And if you don't watch out bam they get you like that just as he shouts bam he properly backhanded my friend round the side of the head and fled into the night. Damn creepy, he is forever known as Owl Man. This happened in Ozark National Park. So, about a year ago, I drove across the country to California for grad school. Total. The trip was about 2,800 miles, taking me across the middle of the country. I had two other options, to drive the northern route through Colorado or the southern way through Alabama and South Texas. Although this was probably the most boring way, it was the fastest by about 6 hours. The entire trip took 4.5 days. I had recently been through a tough breakup, and things back home all around weren't going great for me since undergrad so that played into my decision to move to California. I really enjoyed the drive itself. It gave me plenty of time to reflect on my life, and figure out the stuff I needed to change about myself. I would basically drive 10 to 15 hours a day until I got tired and book an Airbnb. I took my time on the drive. If I saw a cool national park slash landmark to explore, I did it because it was the most free I've ever felt. Anyway, I was driving through the Ozark Mountains in Arkansas. I'd never watched the show, but figured it would be a cool place to explore. I was making good time on the drive, so I took a 30-minute detour and followed the GPS on my phone to the center of the national park. I drove through a quaint town, past a junkyard filled with old rusted vehicles, and down a stretch of road that was covered in tall spruce trees. Eventually, I lost service but that was fine because I figured it was still a relatively frequented spot for outdoor junkies. I reached a gravel turnout mark with a wooden sign where people could take small boats to launch. I parked, locked my car, and grabbed my knife, some water, and hammock, hoping to find a cool spot by the river to get a peaceful rest. I found two trees with the perfect distance and set up my hammock drifting off into a light sleep for about 30 minutes. When I decided it was time to go, I rolled my hammock into its case, and put my large knife and water into the drawstring bag I carry them in. I should add that I carry the knife whenever I go hiking because I'm a paranoid person that's seen too many movies. I grew up hunting and fishing, and wrestled in college. So I normally feel fairly safe by my own. As I walked up from the riverbank, I noticed a black SUV had parked, and a young couple was standing behind it with the back hatch open. The guy was setting up a fishing pole, and the girl was standing there just watching. I noticed a medium-sized black dog with medium-length hair. It looked like a lab mixed with maybe German Shepherd. My family has always had large dogs and this one looked friendly, so the thought didn't cross my mind that maybe it wasn't. As I got closer to their car which was parked by mine, the dog noticed me and started trotting towards me. As it got within 5 feet, I stuck my palm out for it to sniff. 
I don't know if it felt like I was a threat to the couple or what, but it instantly started barking and growling, running from its owners and back to me. As it did this, the girl just looked at it saying nothing, and the guy just kept messing with the fishing line. After a few times of running back and forth, the dog charged at me and I started backpedaling and yelling at it. This seemed to scare it off a little, but it kept charging and lunged at me, biting me through my shorts on my mid-thigh, breaking the skin. Thankfully, it didn't hold on or shake, but I could immediately see blood running down my leg. I had no idea what to do, and I felt terrified and also intense anger towards the couple for not calling their dog off. The guy was still playing with his fishing pole while the girl looked on with an expressionless face. After the dog bit me, it continued to do its charging back and forth. As it ran back to them, I quickly opened my drawstring and fumbled with my knife. It was a large ten blade in a black sheath. I drew it and yelled out to the couple that I would use it if I have to. Out of all the things I could have yelled to make myself seem tough, I just said please get your dog. I guess it was all my mind could process at the time. Finally, the guy looked up and called his dog back and held it by the collar, allowing me to get in my car. I did so as quickly as possible, no one saying a word to each other. As I drove off, the adrenaline wore off and what replaced it was pure anger. My brain was telling me that I should go back and confront the couple for being so careless about their dog viciously attacking another person. However, the logical side told me to keep driving and not look back. I know this might not seem like that big of a deal and could have been a lot worse, but imaging being 1,000 miles away from home in the remote Arkansas wilderness with no phone service. I assessed the damage once I found a safe place to pull off the road and after I regained service. Luckily, the puncture wounds weren't very deep, and I had a medical kit in my trunk from when I was a lifeguard. I dressed it with rubbing alcohol and cotton gauze and drove off. Looking back, I should have called the police or animal control because the dog could have had rabies. I really didn't even think about it at the time. I guess I was just still too shaken up. If I ever drive through Arkansas again, I'll make sure to never, ever, go hiking again. A couple years back my friends and I stumbled upon an abandoned house in the woods. Not too far from any main roads, but it wasn't in the open either. Anyways, the house itself was rotting horribly. Some of the wooden flooring had been ripped out on the bottom floor. On the top floor, there were multiple prescription medicine bottles scattered across what looked to be an office. There was also loose papers scattered in the office. I picked up one and read the contents and it appeared to be a plea to the church to rid the author of his slasher demons. In the bedroom, there was a cat hanged by the neck on a fan above a bed. The cat was mummified. That seriously messed me up for a couple weeks. I can only wonder what brought that person to hang their pet like that. So this didn't happen in the woods but in my family home I grew up in near a large wooded area that once was home to the area's biggest Indian settlement. One morning when I was about 7 to 8 years old I was the first one up at dawn pouring a bowl of cereal in our kitchen. We had a walkout deck with a all glass door directly to my left about 5 feet away. 
All of a sudden I had a feeling of being watched and turned to look out the glass door. Standing directly outside the door looking right at me was a red coat British solider with every piece of equipment including his musket with bayonet attached slung over his shoulder. I stood there for a second or to looking directly in his eyes, he was slightly overweight and very pale with an incredibly somber lonely look on his face. After those two seconds I ran as fast as I could terrified to my parents room screaming that there was a man with a gun on our deck. My dad ran to the deck and of course the soilder was gone. This was the one and only time I have seen what I believe to be a ghost. When I was in my early 20s I remembered the incident and wad curious if there would have been any reason for a red coat solider to have been in the area and to have died. I did some research and discovered that during the War of 1812 there in fact had been soliders and small skirmish in that area so it's completely possible he could have died there and his spirit stayed. Also I never have been the type to believe in ghost stories, if I don't see something in a proof without doubt I don't tend to believe it. I'm not obsessed with this type of stuff and honestly don't even think about it, but what I saw that day was real it was clear as day. I went camping with my dad a long time ago near Prelude Lake, Yellowknife, it's not a very populated area and we were far enough in the woods that nobody would be around there. Come late at night, possibly around 12 am me and my dad were suddenly awoken by distant voices and noises, we couldn't make out much what they were saying but they weren't around for long but there was some really weird noises, like creepy noises. Needless to say that as soon as it was bright enough to see we packed up as quickly as possible and got out of Dodge, we reported the voices to the local RCMP but never heard much afterwards. That was enough to stop us from camping overnight again but we did go out fishing a number of times afterwards but never to that area. When I was probably 13 I was squirrel hunting with a BB gun. I was on my grandparents' property that my dad always hunted but I had never really explored other than when I was with him. There's a big cornfield with woods on three sides and I had never been very far past the tree line on the back side. About 300 yards into the woods there's an old gravel pit that's full of water so it's pretty much a big circular pond that's probably 100 yards across with an island of gravel in the middle that has a few small trees and bushes on it. Standing above all these trees is one scrawny dead tree that looked like it could fall over any second. It was actually a pretty cool area and it was so peaceful and remote. The water was so low that there was a bridge of sand about two yards wide that I walked along to get onto the island. I was on the island admiring the view when I saw a squirrel scurry towards the base of the dead tree. I raised my gun and aimed at it as it ran amongst the branches waiting for it to stop. It ran all the way to the top and out onto a branch as I get ready to shoot I notice something under the squirrel's foot through my scope. I aim a little lower and see that the squirrel is standing on a big knot where a rope was tied to the tree. I slowly realized that this rope was a noose and a chill went down my spine. The rope looked fairly new but the circle part of the noose was thin around the bottom and darker colored. I didn't check the bushes around the base but I wouldn't be surprised if there's still a skeleton or something there. The idea that a body had hung there for who know how long and we had been hunting there for since before I was born is haunting. 
I still hunt in those woods but will never walk back into that pit again. When the weather permits, myself and my dog Roxy take a hike on one of the various trails that inhabit the Rye Mountain Park. The peak of the mountain offers phenomenal views of the Hudson River and surrounding woods. With autumn in full swing, the vibrant oranges, yellows, and reds leave a breathtaking view. Roxy has become quite the hiker at this point in her young life. She keeps ahead of me, carefully moving with each step. Her backpack strapped on with her own gear. Roxy and I usually spend the weekend camping out on Rye Mountain if we have the opportunity. Getting away from people, especially during the quarantine has given me a great excuse to spend my free time camping. Certain areas of the large park can get quite crowded, especially ones that are closer to the various swimming lakes. As the colder weather has swept in, most of the casual campers have closed it in for the season. This time happens to be my favorite to camp. Not too hot and the nights are just cold enough to keep bundled up in the tent. Roxy and I have spent many nights huddled together in our tent. Keeping each other warm. Cooking food over an open flame and watching the sea of stars above us. It really is quite peaceful out here. That is until the hikers finds you. I remember the first group I saw. Roxy and I had headed off trail, about a mile or so to a more secluded spot near a stream. A flat open area that was perfect to set our tent up. Roxy played by the water, nipping at the tiny rapids while I set up camp. We were planning on staying till Sunday then hiking out. I had a few hot dogs, beans and veggies I was going to cook up for the two of us that night. As the sun settled, disappearing behind the horizon, the quietness set in. Not a soul to be seen where we were. Off the beaten path, isolated, just the way we liked it. I had a carry pistol just in case a black bear or mountain lion decided to investigate our remote camp. Many a night's Roxy would let out a guttural growl from within the tent. Outside into the darkness of something circling our camp. In these parts, animals are the least of your concerns, it's the hikers that legend says to be weary of. Dusk came without an incident. I grilled hot dogs, cutting up bits for Roxy to enjoy. I boiled veggie and sipped on a nisipa. It was that right time at night where the sky is just dark enough that the stars start to reveal themselves. Roxy and I marveled as they twinkled above us. We headed in the tent for the rest of the night. I poured water over the fire, put away any leftover food and zipped ourselves in for the night. Sleep came easy in the tent, I often slept better out in the woods than in my own bed. As did Roxy it seemed. It must have been about 3 am or so when I first heard it. A large rustling out in the woods woke me from my sleep. I tossed in my blankets as the sounds rustled on. I listened closely, hearing Roxy snore deeply. The rustling drew closer, sounding more like footsteps. Was someone out there I thought? Maybe a park ranger telling me I'm not allowed to camp this far out. I popped my head out from the tent my eyes adjusting to the darkness trying to follow the sound. The rustling came from the side, where we originally hiked in from. Three figures emerged from the darkness, the moonlight illuminating them before me. Hello? I groggily asked. Three figures, 
Two men and one woman were standing still as statues with no hiking gear on. Hello there one of them asked as they emerged from the darkness. Can I can I help you? I replied, fumbling for my utility knife. Can we use your fire? One of the men asked in a monotone voice. Um yay, can you give me a minute Roxy was still sound asleep. I threw on my coat and headed out to meet the strangers. The three of them had sat down around the fire pit. I struggled to light it in the cold but managed to get a spark. Where are you guys headed to? I asked. One of the men turned towards me, his face blank and cold were out for a hike, just like you. But you guys don't have any gear? It's dangerous to walk around without a light out here? The three individuals all turned to face me. We don't need lights where we're going the woman replied. A chill was creeping up my spine, unsure if it was the temperature or the creepy people that emerged from the woods to find my remote camp. I couldn't put my finger on how they found me all the way out here. I was like a needle in a haystack with the spot I picked. And why didn't they have any gear with them? It looked like they just rolled out of bed and decided to walk seven miles into the woods in the dark. We sat the four of us by the fire for about 20 minutes. All in silence. The fire crackled before us, they seemed to be put in a trance by it. When the awkwardness of the whole situation came to a boiling point, I finally stood up and asked them to leave. I think I'm going to head back to bed. I would appreciate it if you and your friends leave my campsite. The three individuals all rose in unison, their shadows dancing around the flames. I poured the rest of my water bottle on the fire, extinguishing it. Their bodies engulfed by the surrounding darkness. The pressure seemed to rise as the four of us stood in the darkness. Nervously clutching my utility knife praying I wouldn't have to use it. The figures turned like soldiers towards the woods and headed in a seemingly random direction. Thank you they all replied. I watched as their dark shapes disappeared into the woods. I didn't get much sleep that night if any. When morning finally came, I packed up camp and Roxy and I headed home. But that was when I didn't know the dangers of the mysterious hikers. Before I knew never to speak with them if I encountered them out on a camping trip. After speaking with people around town and finding old news articles at the library about them, the sinister feeling started to wash over me. I was not the only person to meet a mysterious group of hikers in the woods. I came to find I was one of the only ones to survive an encounter with them. Reports began popping up in my research of brutalized camp sites. Campers strewn to bits their belongings ravaged. Locals chopped it up to hungry animals deep in the woods but autopsy reports showed something different. Marks from strangulation, slices from glass and knives along their bodies. The worst being human bite marks on the corpses. Something is out there in those woods. Not a lot of people like talking about them. Word of mouth is if you see any of these mysterious hikers, that you should just hunker down in your camp and wait for them to leave. My mind flashes back to the night I first encountered the group. I felt like I was on borrowed time after I spoke with them. Hiking after all the research I did lost its glamour. Feeling more like I was trespassing on land that I wasn't supposed to be on. That I was unwelcomed and unsafe in the parks that I had spent so many nights before. So, I've taken my hiking to other areas. Where no one has heard of mysterious night hikers. 
But something always draws me back to Rye Mountain. Roxy and I will do day trips there if I can get past the initial uneasy feeling in my stomach. Maybe one of these days I'll spend a night again, see if my old friends come to pay a visit. Almost 20 years ago friends and I drove out mostly in the middle of nowhere and found a lookout cabin that sat on the edge of a canyon with fresh of the sky. We broke into Inda to stay a couple nights. The first night, before we all got drunk, a couple of us were sitting on the deck out back. We were bullshitting and I looked up to the sky and told my friend hey look at the shooting star. My friend saw it and we watched as it streaked down towards the horizon. As it got to the horizon it turned and shot back up into the sky toward the moon. Once it reached the moon it disappeared. My friend and I both saw it a d went nuts. Of course no one believed us. This wasn't a plane or anything. It looked exactly like a shooting star and then shot down a slingshotted back up into the sky. Cool, definitely weird and creeped me the f out. I was on Cross County in college. One day, I was on a woods trail that ran behind a development during practice. I was the slowest guy on the team, so I was always by myself. While I was running, I got motioned to stop by a group of guys. Early 20s, normal looking but kind of redneck. I chatted to them for a second because one of them asked me about a girl that we both knew. Then for some reason, a chill went up my spine and I felt like I had to get away from these guys, so I started running again. When I turned back around, they were still at the same spot and shouted at me to stop and chat for a second, but I blew past them. When I mentioned this to the girl, she just said, thank God you didn't stop to talk to them. Scouting hiking trip through the woods in Luxembourg. We were with about five people. Walking by the side of a dirt road, behind some vegetation so didn't think the driver spotted us when we get passed by a car without plates. We hear the car brake and stop further on. We hear car doors, something muffled and car doors again and the car drove off. Once we get to the parking spot we see some garbage bags by the side of the road, but once we get to them we see a small trail of red liquid leaking from one of them. We were freaking out. Calling the adult troop leader on one of our phones. He phones the police and we wait there, a little further off. Once the police got there they took statements and told us to continue hiking. Later we learned it was animal entrails, probably from illegal hunting activity. Still was pretty spooked rest of the trip. Does it count if my experiences were around my parents' house who lived surrounded by woods? If so I've got a few. Apparently used to be called the dark forest, but early loggers cleared the hills. Only now has it started growing back enough to block out the sun. The older I got and the more it grew in, the worse it got. As a child I thought I was just afraid of the forest, especially at night. Eventually I realized I could go in other areas and it didn't bother me at all. A few times something has ran across the road in front of the car I was in. It ranged from, was that a dog? A big cat? Hmm. To what the F was that? 
Damn long arm dark shit what the hell. Took me a while to notice only the people who didn't live here freaked out. The weirdest thing is the burnt down church. It wasn't really a church but we found a bible in the rubble one time and that was really all we had to go off of. None of the adults knew anything about it, not even the lady who had been living there since the road and houses were built. Judging by the age of bible it was only 30 years old, so the fire couldn't have been too long ago. To this day I never figured out if the bible survived the fire, or if the completely unburnt thin paged book that was found in the layer of roofing stuff was put there after the fire. Girlfriend and I were wandering around in the woods next to our apartments. We were startled to come across three animal skulls neatly placed next to each other. It looked too perfect to be coincidence, but I do think it was coincidence. Still looked like a shrine. I don't hunt so I didn't recognize the skulls as deer skulls. I took note of the unique tooth structure and Google images confirmed they were deer. There are a lot of deer around us and with the continued construction they are being flushed out of their habitats. This is a small patch of woods with a convenient stream of water for them. I think the three deer died of some type of disease or something. There were a few other bones within several feet of the skulls. We both had a very creepy feeling with how neatly these skulls were sitting next to each other. I'm from Australia and up in the northern parts, the Cape in Queensland and in Arnhem Land in the Northern Territory, there is an unexplained phenomenon involving little floating balls of light called Min Min Lights. Sounds dumb I know. So both my dad and my auntie saw them on two separate occasions, my dad as a teenager and my aunt when she was flying a plane over that general area. My dad described it as a small solitary ball of light floating at eye level. He was on a river near Aracoon, a town in far north Queensland, at night with a family friend fishing and it appeared just off the bank in the trees, he thinks. He said it was hard to tell distance. They both freaked and started to drive the boat downstream, but the Min Min light followed them exactly parallel. Whenever they went around a bend in the river they would loose it, only for it to appear again a moment later at a level parallel to them. He said this went on for about 10 to 15 minutes before they lost it again for a while. They came to a stop to start fishing again, kind of brushing the whole thing off when it appeared again. However it was much closer and appeared to slowly be approaching. Dad isn't superstitious at all, but he said it was almost like it was something coming closer to study them as it lingered for a bit just looking at them, before it suddenly just shot off up the river. He and the friend were too scared to hang about so they went home pretty quick after that. With my aunt, she and her husband were flying a small plane, they are both pilots, across the cape into Arnhem land when a Min Min light appeared parallel to their plane. Again this one followed them at a level for a while, they too lost it when they changed course to try and loose it, only for it to appear again, before it disappeared when they left the general area which Min Min lights are usually spotted. Anyway this is just something that really freaked me out when I was told. My dad isn't one to make shit like that up but who knows ha. There are videos about them but again I never really trust shit like that.
Last week I was camping with my boyfriend near Lake Superior and pulled over to take a nap on a not-so-busy road. When we woke up we found an abandoned road on the other side of the boulder we parked in front of. It was weird that they blocked it off as it had been paved within the last 10 years at least. We walked down it a little ways and kind of just got a bad feeling about it and decided to turn back and on the right side of that boulder the grass had been pushed down and there were remains of hopefully an animal and a bunch of used baby wipes next to it. We dipped out shortly after. Still curious what the road was used for and why they would close it. When I was about 4 or 5 my mom took us camping. I grew up with cattle herders so I was used to wandering around the woods alone and knew not to go to far or anything. I was exploring a grove by our campsite and found another campsite but this one was torn up and ransacked and there was a hammock that I swear to god had a dead man in it. I saw his hand hanging out and there was like rotting flesh and his jeans were all torn up. I ran away and didn't tell anyone until last year, 16 years later, and it has haunted me ever since. My dad is a dispatch officer over that area now and he has never heard anything about a body being found where I was but I could take them to exactly where it was if my mom took me back to that spot. I haven't gone further than 50 yards from my camping spot slash group ever since. I have too. Was hiking in the woods with a childhood friend. Found hundreds and hundreds of differently sized glass bottles under the vines on the ground. Proceeded to throw them at trees and break glass for hours. Second story. Came across a dozen or so, old cars from the 80s. Great shape, busted out tired, rust, but the structural integrity of the car was solid. You could tell they hadn't been moved in a long time. We opened the door to one and found newspapers from the 80s. It was around 1999 or 2000 I don't remember. I know that because I found a movie ad for Star Wars on it, I think Return of the Jedi from 83. Anyway, I grew up along a highway so I didn't think abnout how weird it was until I was much older. Why were there so many old cars lined up, in good shape, with newspapers rolled up in the backs of each of them? It was creepy as f. When I was about 14 I went hiking with two of my friends. The plan was to get to the top of the mountain, which proved a pretty difficult task. We climbed for 6 hours and we still weren't even close. At this point it was 10 o'clock at night and you couldn't see anything, so we started climbing down. We saw some people, talked to them and they told us to go through a path that was in the side in the mountain if we want to get down faster. Which now that I look at it was a shit idea because there was a road that was paved and lighted and we decided to go through a rundown muddy path with no light sources or anything. Well we're going through this path and we come to a point where the path divides into the left and the right. We went right, and apparently that wasn't a path. It was a huge farm with a house nearby. So 14 year oldest decided it's a great idea to explore this place at 10 at night. Moving through the farm, pretty slowly cause you couldn't see anything. We're about to reach the farmhouse when my friend next to me spots something black in the distance. I go to check it out and it's a dead body of a man. 
His body was torn apart and lying on the floor and soon enough there were crows picking at it. We got out of there fast as hell. The rest of the way down was really spooky. Silence isn't too bad. It's the things you finally hear once your hearing adjusts. Like the stream under the packed snow, the slightest touch of wind, or a muffled cry. Yeah. Not even kidding. I used to be seriously into winter mountaineering. And not like walking up a cleared path to the top for an Instagram shoot. No, like fumbling with a paper map in five below with four pairs of gloves and just a compass to guide you. Crampons, metal spikes for your feet, to keep you from sliding off the ice you're marching on over a cliff. Ice picks to scale up the side of a 50 feet cliff because there is no way around or I'm feeling particularly mother f crazy that day. And headlamps with plenty of backup batteries in case shit gets real or there is no shelter. Yeah. Crazy shit. I was a crazy mother f. Well, in that fed up brain of mine, I decided I needed to go to down to Panama in the dead of winter and climb the biggest mother f they had. Yeah. It's Panama. Tropical paradise. But when you get a few thousand feet up, it ain't so tropical. So, I needed to train. One of these training was climbing Mount Marcy in New York. Tiny bastard. But dangerous little bitch if the weather is bad. Well, that's what I planned on. Instead, it was dead silent. Yeah. Like that other guy mentioned. You hear your heart beating and all that shit. But, after a little time, your ears adjust. You hear more than just your heart. I really wish that weather was bad. I heard a muffled cry. Not like someone screaming for help. I was climbing ice you the top of a mountain in February in the most difficult route possible. No one should have been there. Someone was. Yeah. Messed me up. So, I hear this cry and think, I have finally lost my mind. It sounds like my mom when my pops kicked it. Like complete and total unconsolable despair. I looked around. It was bright as day and dead quiet. Shit. Bad choice of words. But, there were more pines than empty seats at a Browns game. I couldn't see a thing. It didn't take long for that thing to find me. Apparently someone else was shiting crazy too because they were on the side of this hell hole. How'd I know? Well first the bone scraping muffled cry. But then, I found their shit tracks. No wind in February remember? So I follow. There are at least two people, but their trail is a mess. Someone doesn't want to be here. Oh shit. That's a kid's footprint. There is a kid here. Now, I'm picking up the pace. What the F is going on? It's like I'm in a crime movie. Now I'm really psyched out. I'm about to lose it and I think I might be about to go ape on some screwed up mother f. I reach back to pack and grab my two ice picks. I have no clue what I'm about to do. Finally, I'm running because I saw something red. I think it was blood. My ankles are about to break because of these crampons. But I know they're close. The muffle is a little louder. Finally, I break through the edge of the pines. It's a park ranger. And just for one moment I'm about to throw myself at the evil mother f for using a badge and. What? I take in the scene before my legs extend. It's a kid. He broke his arm, 
and his mom is with him. The park ranger was doing his job and helping the kid. The kid was in distress. I could see the contorted arm and a cut on his hand. His mom was crying. She was scared. But the ranger was there. Everyone was okay. But I had almost attacked a man because I psyched myself out. I would have killed him. They were all okay. Me? I'm still not. I lived up the street from a state park in Mass that's usually frequented by dog walkers but is really big and I've gotten lost in a few time trying to get away from home. I must have been 12 at the time, 23 now, walking with my friend Jane in the deepest part of the park where most people don't go. And I swear to you we're standing there talking trying to decide which way we're going to go when this little glowing thing catches both our eyes. It was a little person wearing a crown not even an inch tall she had white blonde hair and a lavender petal dress and we both swore we could hear tinkling bells. It floated around us for a minute but then Jane made a joke about catching it and keeping it in a bottle and it just floated away into the trees while we watched. Weirdest thing I've seen except for a rotting deer skull on a stick in the middle of a harvested corn field. Wilderness camping in the Shenandoah Valley with a group of three friends. We all dropped 200 micrograms of acid in about two hours and we decided to go explore in the woods. The weather was very rainy and foggy. As we ventured farther away from our campsite the fog got denser to the point where we couldn't see 10 feet in front of us. We stopped and looked around trying to figure the way we came from. We are all tripping pretty hard at this point. All of a sudden a bear and her cub come walking by and we are scared shitless. The mama bear looked at us didn't give a f and kept on walking like we weren't there. Easily the scariest moment of my life. We eventually found our way back to our campsite and finished tripping safely. I was at a boy scout camp over the summer. My whole troop and I were just around a large rock formation that separated the fire pit from our campsite. As we put out the fire and started heading back to our tents one of the little scouts yelled out I think I see a bear. Now everyone knew this kid to be the type to make up stories to tell people to sound cool. So at first we laughed off his claims. But when we got to our tents one kid's tent was completely destroyed. We lifted up the broken tent to reveal three rip marks that looked like it really was a slash from a bear's paw and drool all over. The dumb ass kid had cookies in his tent. At this point everyone started freaking out so we called the staff of the camp and they came to our site armed and ready and left a radio in case we saw it again. My friend and I slept with our knives that night and made up a game plan in case the bear came back. Definitely the scariest moment I've had while camping. I saw a massive pile of something's innards on the ground as I walked out of a CS gas chamber when I was in the Marines. It was just a few feet away from the door as we exited. The area around it didn't even look remotely disturbed. Just a pile of wet, fresh, aromatic intestines, a really big liver, and some other delicious bits which were not there when my platoon and I entered. No one else that was outside saw a damn thing because they were on the other side of the hooch that we were in. 
Those of us that weren't retching and or dripping leaders of snot investigated the surrounding woods a bit until our superiors got us back in line, but we didn't find shit. Not even prints in the damp sandy NC soil. That shit was weird man. I worked for a college in the UK that is built on an old 400 acre estate, complete with Georgian mansion. There's plenty of ghost stories about the mansion and supposed sightings. The site has loads of woodland and I worked for the animal department which included ecology lessons. This story isn't for my lesson but I'll never forget this day. I'll call my two colleague Lee and Ned. So one typical day, two of my colleagues take a class on a nature walk and plan to do some surveys in the woodland on the hill, tell their students to pick an area to survey and about three minutes later screaming is heard. Lee ran towards the screaming student expecting an injury to have occurred and Ned rounded up the rest of the students. Lee found three students freaking and one crying on their own. Once they calmed a bit they told Lee they've found a body about 10 feet from where they are standing. Lee asked the students to join Ned with the rest of the class and asked Ned to come to get location. Ned arrives and they go to investigate what the students saw and yay, there's a body. It was decomposed enough to see a fair amount of the skull and was dressed, in a sleeping bag with a pair of shoes to the side of them and a bag. The police were called, there was no ID or anything so they do all their investigations at the site and remove the body. We were told a few months later it was a 50-ish year old woman who had a history of mental health issues and live in a town about 6 miles away. The local newspaper mentioned the cause of death was likely hypothermia, that the lady went to sleep there and just never woke up, it was nice to know that it wasn't self-harm at least. This lady had been missing for 6 months. The students also got over it pretty quick and about a year later, Lee and Ned even took the family to the woods as they wanted to see where their love died. About eight of us are walking back to a friend's place where we had set up tents to sleep the night in and on our way back we had to walk through the woods, bear in mind this was somewhere between 1am and 2am. We were using our phone's flash as a flashlight to see where we were walking and suddenly we walked into a guy who had no flashlight and he didn't move, didn't say anything or do anything, he just continued to stand in the middle of the path. We get to the other side of woods which was a little car park, look over to our left and there was a car with its interior lights on. We walked over only to look inside and see two people have sex, they rolled down the window and he asked if anyone else wanted to F her and that he wouldn't come in her if we did. Of course none of us were interested, we left them to it and continued back to my friend's place. We later found out that the car park is a known dogging spot but we never figured out why there was a guy just standing in the middle of the path in the woods. My grandparents own a large vacation property in upstate New York. The property is located on fairly mountainous terrain, and is about a square mile, rising in elevation from a creek valley along a mountainside. The part where the main house is located is a good five-minute drive, at least, from the bottom of the property. There are constant issues with trespassers, but it is more of an annoyance, than anything usually just uninvited people swimming in one of the ponds, hunting, fishing, etc., 
Nothing weird. However, a couple of summers ago, I was hanging out with my cousins near the lower boundary of the property, by the creek, and I found what could only be described as a small wooden altar. It was lightweight, had steps, probably five tiers of them, and had runes written onto it. This was creepy, but the runes were in magic marker, which substantially diminished the creepiness. I can't imagine who would have left it there, or why. Maybe a Wiccan coven or other neo-pagan group had a ceremony on the property for some reason? I wish I had kept the altar, but it was such a strange, one-off find, and the workmanship was pretty poor, so I guess it did not enter into my mind to keep it and examine it more closely. I am a girl who has worked at Boy Scout camps for seven years during the summers and winters. While I personally didn't find anything, I always had this sense of unease at night on the camp I worked at for six of those seven years. One of the guys I was working with claimed to be spiritually sensitive and said there was actually a lot of activity in the woods by the female staff's campsite. Lots of the girls heard growling and claimed they saw creepy things, no it wasn't the boys either. Don't even get me started on a semi-exorcism some guys did on a staff member. He didn't know about it at first but instantly started behaving much happier and more relaxed the next day, or the condemned fire ring, summary on the fire ring, Satanists sacrificed a dead cat and drew a pentagram. Even a scene from Friday the 13th was filmed on one of our bridges. In conclusion, that Boy Scout camp is almost definitely haunted by ghosts slash demons and due to my experiences I can no longer sleep without every door closed and a little bit of light. I was in the Sequoia wilderness, driving along trails probably meant for 4x4s when I reached a dead-end campsite, had lunch. It was so quiet all I could hear was me chewing and white noise. I screamed hello, it echoed. I waited for a reply. Tried again. Hello. Nothing. It was beautiful and terrifying. I left a note in the dirt next to the fire pit. You are not alone. As I read it back to myself, it went from being a nice note to a scary one. Hopped in my car and the engine choked. Then started, got the F out of there. I was probably somebody's creepy story. When I was pretty young, around six, my parents and I took a road trip from the south all the way up to Pennsylvania to see some relatives. On the way we went camping in a few places. One of our first stops was a campground in Arkansas. My mom and I were laying in the tent reading book when I decided that I needed to go to the bathroom. Just as we were about to walk over to the bathroom area, my dad came back in the tent and told us he'd seen a skunk wandering around in that area, so watch out that we don't get sprayed, and maybe it would just be better to pee in the bushes. I lost my damn mind. I don't know why I was so terrified of a silly little skunk, but I wasn't having it. I started crying while my parents tried to convince me it really wasn't anything to be worried about. Well to my six-year-old mind it sure was. I started yelling, in the middle of a fairly crowded campground mind you, no daddy I don't want to. Please don't make me do it. And so on and so forth. 
At the time I didn't realize why my mom was so upset and trying frantically to calm me down. But of course, now as an adult I realize how terrible that must have sounded to anybody nearby. I also find it a little concerning that no one investigated. Went hiking with a few friends around the time we were in high school found a really really old house after climbing a few extremely steep hills and such went inside and messed around didn't damage anything nothing really in their sept graffiti and old broken furniture basement door was jammed or locked shut. When we went back to show another friend what we found and we were 95% sure we took the exact same path we couldn't find the damn house did find a foundation though just a bit ass concrete slab no roads or anything lead up there also being a bunch of dumb young teenagers we scared the shit out of ourselves and never went back. They did do construction all the time around different places so they could have just knocked the place down because it was a mold and probably asbestos hazard. Also one time was walking in the city kicked a stick down an open ground level window of a condemned house and it got tossed back out middle of the damn time spooked myself and booked it. Maybe I'm a red panda and I don't know it. Hindsight of that house probably wasn't a basement door that was locked it's what we assumed cause there was windows on the ground level we couldn't find inside the house. Not camping or backpacking per se but I've got one for y'all. Back when I was teenager, 15 or 16, I was hunting our neighbor's property. Our family lived in one hollow and the neighbors lived in the next hollow over. We had a standing agreement we could hunt each other's land as long as let them know we were in the area. Well on this particular morning I was walking along an old logging road and came to an intersection between three logging roads in a clearing and saw a fire pit in the center of the clearing. This was rather unusual because nobody ever camped in the area. So I went over to investigate, and found what looked bone splinters in the ashes. That made my hair stand on end and sent shivers down my spine. I backed up a couple of steps and about tripped over a rock. I noticed this rock had been placed there, it wasn't like any of the other rocks in the area, it roughly round and white. I looked around a little bit more and noticed three more stones around the fire pit of the same type. I took out my compass, still not sure why I had it with me that day to be honest, I wasn't more than a couple of miles from home and knew the area very well. Those four stones matched up with the directions of north, south, east and west. I decided it was best to move on at that point. To this day I'm still not sure what I found. But was creepy as hell. The only way I can describe it is that the air felt strange in that area. <laughs>